Hey, what's happening, good people? This is your host, Armand Rashad, host of the Beard Always Wins podcast. Yes, the Beard Always Wins is a lifestyle, it's a movement, but more importantly, it's a podcast. And this is the episode that I told you going to be the best episode, the best podcast that you've heard all year or that you might hear all year. Why? Because I got two special guests, two very good friends of mine. I got my homie, Eric. Eric, what's, what's up to the people? Hey, what's going on, everyone? What's happening? And then we also got the the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mo Lane. I wouldn't go all that far with the man, the myth, the myth, and the legend, but um, what's up, everybody? I'm good. Hey, y'all, I'm telling you right now, Mo, Mo, Mo's always been humble. He's always been humble, right? Except when we play Tifton, right? That's when we, we wasn't humble playing Tifton. So, um, but we'll get into it. Because, uh, like, hey, hey, the one thing I want y'all to know, right, Um, it's re- real, real special. Um, and the reason why I really just happy and blessed to have him on the uh, podcast uh it's because like mo can actually give us some um insight that few, very few people can he played at one of the highest levels when it comes to college football at the university of kentucky and um uh, for four years i was i was a kentucky wildcat fan you know for about four or five years and then it was back and to, i appreciate that i appreciate that and then it was back to the dogs i can't help him can't help him i was back to my dogs after that he was gone they had no reason to cheer for kentucky <laughs> after that well you know you know I will say this you know we'll have a reason to cheer for Kentucky uh, next season because Tisdale from Lyles will be in Kentucky but anyway oh, oh yeah oh yeah uh, um, I, I, you know I follow a young man on Twitter and you know I'm, I'm always you know one time for the home team so that's the one thing I will say and um but yeah, man. So listen, let's just get into it, right? So uh, the Super Bowl, uh, we know who's playing in the Super Bowl. It's the Patriots once again. Um, to some, they might be known as the Evil Empire, um, and they're going to be playing against the Rams. Um, I just want to know uh, what when you look at it, when you when you saw the playoff games, uh, you know, like let, let's just talk about the um, the blown call, the missed call, because uh, I think Eric had a real good perspective on this right here. So that missed call with uh, the Rams and the Saints. So Eric, just 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 let the people know exactly uh, what your thoughts on it is. Oh well, you know my thing is it's a game of football. You know, unfortunately, you always gonna have the human element with the referees and things of that nature. But I mean, I just don't think one player is gonna decide the income of the the outcome of the game. Excuse me. I mean, you know, mind you, you know, no penalty and all that kind of stuff is created equal. So you know, it does matter when it happens in the game, the time, the down, you know, things of that nature. But I really look at it as if, you know, Sean Payton, he mis- he mismanaged that. Because my thing is, you know, if you complete like a 40-yard that pass down into your red zone, you got like less than two minutes left in the game, you know, pretty much all you need to do, because the game was still tied at that point, is to just, you know, burn the timeouts, which the Rams had two of them, and then kick the field goal. But, you know, he's out there trying to be, you know, smart and show everybody how brilliant he is, and he's, you know, throwing the ball, which was incomplete. They threw it twice, and it was two incompletions. Then it come down to what? Now you got to kick the ball. So, you know, you go into overtime or whatnot, and I just think it was just, you know, a uh, bad, uh, you know, play clock management on Sean Payton's behalf. That and Drew Brees, you know, hey, he threw an interception in overtime. So for all the people who scream about, oh, pass interference, that determined the outcome of the game, ah, it happens. It happens to everybody. But you got the ball back in overtime first. You didn't do nothing with it. You got to go home. So that's just my outlook. All right, all right, all right. And, I, you know, and I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I think I think we're on the same page, Mo. What you got for us? Yeah, no. Uh, from that perspective, the one one play does not. We all know one play does not 
dictate the outcome of the game, right? You know, otherwise we wouldn't play the rest of the game. So I get that. Um, and I, I agree with that. And the, the, the thing that I was disturbed by was Sean Payton throwing the ball on first down. So I'm, I'm with you 100%. Like, I don't understand why you don't just, you know, run the ball. The, the game is basically over at that point. So poor clock management, correct. Um, can't put, you can't put it on one play, correct. But I do have to point out that instant replay was introduced to the game to get calls correct. And I know one play is not heavier than any other play throughout the course of the game, but the purpose of instant replay is to get calls correct. And I know this play was not reviewable, reviewable because it's a judgment call, but the thing that kind of just, I, I, I just, I have, I had trouble dealing with when I was watching the game was that there was literally three calls that could have been made. It could have been a, um, helmet to helmet. Yeah. It could have been, you know, uh, a targeting of a defenseless player. Yeah. And it just could have been flat out pass interference because he got there early. So that one play did not win or lose the game. So for all the Saints fans who feel like, you know, that was, that was the, the end all be all. No, that's not the case, but it kind of rubbed me the wrong way that there was so many missed it wasn't just one missed call. It was a couple of infractions that they missed, and that's just the way it is in the NFL. It's almost like, you know what? Hey, that's it's not challengeable. Move on. You know, that's the only thing that rubbed me the wrong way. But yeah, I, I kind of agree with the one play. One play didn't do it. Well, I, to be honest, I think it was. Uh, I think I would have called illegal contact down the field because you was past that five yard. You know, you was outside of that five yard boundary, opposed to like pass interference. I mean, to me that that to me that would have been the more appropriate call if a call had to be made. But you know, prior into that game, I don't even think the first penalty was called against the Saints until like maybe in the third quarter. And there was like a few just egregious, you know, face mask penalties that went against uh the Rams that just kind of, you know, threw everything off. And, you know, not to backtrack too much, but but in my humble opinion, I think that was week 11 when the Rams had to go down to New Orleans. In my humble opinion, New Orleans got a lot of home cooking in that game, a.k.a. they got a lot of scissors from the ref. So I think if that game had been, uh, you know, in Los Angeles on that particular day, I don't think the Saints would have beat the Rams then. So, you know, if if, if we really want to go there, it very well could have been the Rams should have been going to L.A. anyway. So, I mean, you know, it, it's always a human element. I mean, you know, people don't like it, but a lot of times those calls kind of, you know, they weigh out in a game. So, I mean, you know, it's a tough break, but... You lost. Hey, at, the, at the end of at the end of the day, they would not come back and replay the game. Like nah. it happened the way it happened. You gotta yeah. remember the result. So this is true. Yeah. But but you know what's interesting though that is that the commissioner actually has the power to to do that to actually say, hey, you know what, we're gonna replay it, or to say, you know what, they blow the game, um, and this, they they could actually put the Saints in the Super Bowl if he wanted to. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Time out. Time out. You said the commissioner could actually go back and change the outcome of the game? Yeah, he can. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's that Article 17 that they were screaming about. But to be honest, in my opinion, I think that's what's probably, I think that's one of the problems with the NFL. Roger Goodell had too much power. <laughs> I agree. I mean, just to be honest, I mean, it, I mean, so think about what you just said. 
So, you know what I'm saying? So now we're taking it off of the coaches. We're taking it off the players. All they blood, sweat, and tears from training camp to OTAs to all of this stuff. You're going to let one man in a suit who, in my humble opinion, I don't think Roger Goodell, like, knows a whole, whole lot about football. I think he's probably became, you know, more acquainted and more acclimated being in the job. But he don't strike me as no football guy. But... As you stated, he has the ability, if he wanted to, to just change the whole outcome of that game. That's asinine, and it don't make sense. Hey, you know what, yeah, man? that's crazy. And, and you're right, but you know what, though? Like, at, I remember maybe about five years ago, I probably was, was saying, like, man, they got this man has too much power. Too much power, too much power, right? But then, um, I think it might have been Stephen A. Smith, or some, one of those reporters, uh, they said that's, they gave him the power. No, they did. That's actually factual. The the, the NFLPA they, they they gave them that. They negotiated that. Yeah. Like is in, in you know in the collective bargaining agreement, whatever it is, they mm-hmm. gave them that. You know. Yeah, I, I think that's a whole other podcast in itself, man. Just you know delving into all that because I mean it just seems like the players was fighting for the wrong thing. You know they were fighting for days off and less amount of practices and you know that kind of type stuff and training camp opposed to fight for like benefits, lifelong medical benefits and you know pensions and stuff like that. So that's probably a whole other podcast, right? Yeah, yeah and you, you also got to realize that the NFL, the NFLPA, you know those are uh, representatives. That's not like every single player in the league, those are representatives fighting on behalf of the players, so it is some negotiating and bargaining, you know, you might have several things on your agenda that you bring to, you know, to, to the league uh, the league office, or to Roger Goodell, and you might have to say, well, you know what, we're going to have to scale back. You know, we'll, 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 we'll take this, and we'll give up that. You know what I mean? So, they are negotiating on behalf of the players, you know, it's not Everybody, but you know what though? I think it's crazy though. Why wouldn't instead of having a player rep, which I mean, I'm just saying it's not to you know knock an athlete. I would like to think at one point in my life I was one, but you know, like why not have a situation where every team has you know a legal counsel opposed to a player? Because I mean, come on now, you know them, them owners. You know, the majority of dudes billionaires. So, you know what I'm saying? So I'm saying that to say they probably pretty smart and, you know, got all that kind of type stuff. So, I mean, I can see a situation, man. They get in there and fast talk those guys. And, hey, you know, they start trying to pull certain strings and certain cords. And I, I can see certain players folding because, uh, who was it, Ryan Clark? He was the only one who, like, voted against pretty much what everybody else was voting against. Like, you know, like everybody else went along with, yeah, let's just go reduce practices and stuff. And he was the only one stood stood strong and stood solid. Like, no, you know. We need pensions and stuff like that. So, like I said, that's probably a whole other podcast right there, man. That, Roger Goodell got too much power. They did give it to him, but, you know, that that doesn't mean he doesn't still have that much power. He's like the judge, jury, execution, and everything, all wrapped in one. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, since you said that's in a whole other podcast, one we'll probably do, uh, let's let's switch over to the AFC. Uh, Patriots, Chiefs, Patriots come out on top. Uh, the only good thing about that is, you know, we got two dogs playing in the in the um, Super Bowl. So, what are your thoughts on that game? Like, I honestly thought, yeah, it was a couple of missed calls, but I'll be honest with you, I was, it's kind of what I expected. Yeah, I didn't, it, it wasn't uh, much of a surprise for me. What about you guys? Yeah, I mean, I, I address it first. So, uh, the you know what, I'm going to fast forward through the, the whole game, and we just go to overtime, all right? So, um, because that, my, my, my commentary or my gripe about this game based on overtime. Uh, first of all, congrats to the Patriots. You know, I, I did not predict the Patriots to win that game. I thought Kansas City was going to win. 
uh, because they were playing in Kansas City, and I felt like Patrick Mahomes was going to light up the scoreboard and, you know, uh, didn't realize that the Chiefs defense would let them down the way they did. But speaking of overtime, so when they won the coin toss and Tom Brady was going to have a chance to basically drive his team down the field for one touchdown to go to the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. that game was over. The game was over. Yeah. And, and, and in my opinion. Now, now, I'm not saying that because Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time, which he is. In my opinion, he is the greatest quarterback of all time. But I'm saying that because he was playing against the, what, 31st ranked defense after four full quarters of football. You know what I mean? It's not like this is the freshest defense in the world and Tom Brady in a one-drive scenario is about to slice them like cheese. So, I had a complaint about the way overtime played out, and I'm not saying they need to change it to the way college is, but it's just that was not fun for me to watch because I wanted to see uh, a, a more competitive overtime period. Um, and then, and then the Chiefs did not even call a timeout. Your defense is tired. The defense is again the 31st ranked defense in the NFL, and they didn't even call a timeout to give them, to give them rest. So, I, I mean, I figured it would be a, a close game. But I definitely did not want it to end like that. Yeah, but you know, you know what? Here's here's a good thing though. It didn't end on the field goal. Remember, but ten years ago, before they changed the rule, the first person score, kick a field goal. Oh yes, yeah, sudden yeah. death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so that was that was the 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 bright side of it, <laughs> in my opinion. What you got, Eric? Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 kind of inclined to agree with Morris just from the standpoint that you know, I mean, hey man, I'm a Falcons fan, so I, I seen Tom Brady do to the Falcons, what was that, like two years ago in the Super Bowl or whatnot. Yeah, um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of tough, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, just kind of one of those things like <laughs> football is still a sport. And at the end of the day, man, somebody is not going to be happy. And it's probably the individuals whose team has lost or is losing. But, um, you know, to me, though, it is crazy. Like, I don't know, man, Andy Reid, like, He's just not a big game coach. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, sometimes maybe you just got to call an ace a ace and a spade a spade. And, you know, we, we've just seen it too many times. You know what I'm saying? Like Philly and all these different places. And, you know, he'll, he can win you a lot of games. He can probably get you there. But to me, I, I mean, I just don't know. Like, I heard someone say it earlier, you know what I'm saying? So I'm not trying to, you know, like, you know, copy anybody verbiage or uh, lift anything from them. But, you know, it, it was pretty much laid out perfectly for Kansas City. I mean, you're at home, you know what I'm saying? You've seen the pages before. You got a hot quarterback. Mind you, you know what I'm saying? Your defense isn't really, they're not ranked high. But, you know what I'm saying? In terms of rushing the pass, they had like the number one pass rush almost in the league. If not number one, they was definitely like the top three. You know what I'm saying? So, like, no question about it. So, you know, you pretty much had the, you know, the Patriots on the platter. You know what I'm saying? You pretty much had them tailor-made to be beat. But, you know, I think what it is is I think they discounted Tom Brady, but they discounted Sonny Michelle, too, because, man, he had a hell of a game. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He been, he been ripping it up in the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? So the thing about it is, you know what I'm saying, like – I think Tom Brady is 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 is, is very great. I don't, just my personal opinion now. Just my opinion. I don't think he'd go. He's a really good quarterback now. I mean, he 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 is who he is. You know, nothing nothing that I can say can take anything away from what he's done. But the thing about it is, you get him any kind of help, and a lot of times in big games, that's what happens with New England. Like Grunk been struggling all year with injuries, but you know what? 
Brunk make some plays in the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? Sony been holding yeah. it down in the playoffs. Edelman been holding it down. You know what I'm saying? Hogan. So it's like New England has been there so often. When the playoffs come, they step their game up. I don't I don't think you can necessarily hit a switch, but I think they really value the opportunity. Hey man, we in the playoffs, this is where we're gonna make our money. It's go time. And I I just think the you know the Chiefs crumble to the pressure. I don't know if it was experience or what, but it it, it was it was a bad look, man. But I don't know if y'all realize this, but like really, pretty much darn near every road team in the playoff, if not one, had a lot of success. Yeah, it is. Yeah, true. it is true. You know, it's, it's speaking. It's speaking of uh, going on the road. Uh, so what's happening now? Uh, the Black Panther movie, right? One of the biggest movies of last year. Uh, I love the soundtrack. The soundtrack was awesome, but it's also. This is the first. The first uh, Black Panther has set so many uh, records and uh, so many firsts in the, the c- cinematography world, in the world of movies. Uh, it's now up for nominated for Best Picture for Oscar. Um, so I just wanted. I, I know you guys have seen the movie, and so just tell me. So did you think it would have this type of an impact? Aaron, you want to start with that? Um, yeah, I, I can tackle it first. Um, I really did. I mean, you know, so the thing about it is growing up, I wasn't really real big in the comic books. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't know. Maybe just time, place, whatever it may be. But, you know, that just wasn't really my thing per se. Um, I had a few cousins, you know, they was pretty big on it or whatnot. But, um, this to me, this is kind of where I seen it kind of take off when the Black Panther, when he made that appearance in the Avengers. I think I don't remember exactly which one where it was, but Civil you know when his father passed, they kind of introduced him. Okay, yeah. the Civil War, so they kind of introduced you know the Black Panther and all that kind of type stuff. And um, Chad Boswick, man, he he's a that dude's a hell of an actor. I mean to be Jackie Robinson, James Brown, <laughs> Black Panther, you know, and, and he's in theory a relatively young actor. I mean, not necessarily in terms of his age, which he's not an old man, but, you know, he ain't been around like 10 years. Chad Bozeman probably been around, what, now about five, six years? So, you know, I think you got to give a lot of credit to him. Then as well as also the dude, uh, I don't want to butcher his name, but I think his name is Ryan Kruger, the yeah. one who did uh, uh, Fruit, yeah, Creed and Fruit Valley Station. Like, it, I, I mean, you know, I, I just think it was well put together. And I think, like, you know, really what it represented, because, you know, a lot of times, you know, we as people of color, Superman and we see all this and uh, they they made nothing but trash Superman movies in my opinion. I haven't really seen a good one yet. But you know, like Batman and the different ones. But I mean I just thought it was I thought it was very well put together in terms of the actors, the actresses. I mean, once again, man, you got Angela Bassett, um what what's what's my main man kinda who I starting to get a little lazy. Oh man, what is his name? I can't think of it. Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker. Man, I'm talking about these are these are legendary actors and actresses. You know what I'm saying? Then you bring in like the uh, the tech component of it, and I, I, th- I thought it was very well done. I've probably seen that movie around ten times. I don't own it. You know, I probably should copy it for the Blu-ray. But um, you know, but I, I kill it on Netflix. You know what I'm saying? So it's got a lot of views. You know, in terms of Netflix. But you know, I just think just what it represents. You know, to people of color with everything going on, man. I mean, our president kind of got a lot of people kind of in the head lot to kind of see like you know uh african king you know like really calling shots and trying to do a positive thing and then you know like i say you got the tech component it's, i just thought it was well done um i didn't know if i thought it would be that good of a movie but to be honest it probably turned out to be everything i thought it would be and more okay all right what you got what you got mo 
Yeah, so my perspective is like, um, <clears throat> so I think a lot of people who saw that movie, they were anticipating it. Like I, the buzz was kind of kind of crazy coming into the movie. My 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 perspective was totally different because I'm kind of like Eric said. I'm I wasn't I didn't follow you know uh, comic books, and I'll be the first one to tell you that before that movie came out, I didn't know anything about Black Panther. Like before the movie came out, I was I was completely in the dark. Just wasn't I just. I couldn't tell you anything about Black Panther. So I went to see the movie kind of at the end on top of that. I had not seen any, um, like Marvel superhero movies at all. First of all, I don't watch that many movies. And then secondly, I don't watch like the Marvel superhero movies. So I say that to say that I went to see the movie kind of as a standalone project, not a part of the, you know, the, the series of all of these, you know, superhero movies. I just was watching the movie as a kind of a one shot deal. This is, you know, just an experience for me, which was good because it held its own in, in that, in that capacity. You know what I mean? Just as a, I'm just walking off the street going to see a movie and it was amazing. Like, like the, the like you said, the cinematography, you know, all of the technology, the cast, everything was good. The movie, I just thought the movie was amazing. Now, I knew that it would get crazy support because of the buzz and because it was a black movie. I knew it was going to get like, the support was going to be there. What I did not expect was for a um, a superhero movie um, to be Oscar nominated. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like so, so, so the quality of the film spoke for itself. But I did not expect a superhero movie to be nominated like that. So I was kind of surprised. Okay, and, and you know, you know what though, I, I can honestly say right um, as far as the movie itself, the Black Panther movie, and um, like. Out of all of the movies, right, that the Marvel has put out, all 16 of them, it's the one that has stayed true to the comic book origins, you know, as really? much as it could. Yeah, like the whole Killmonger thing, except for it was a little bit different. Like Killmonger, like really, it was worse in the comics. He got he beat him down worse <laughs> in the comics. Um, but it was it was actually like it stayed true. And, and I and I got where they um you know, like, why they had to kind of, the things that they had to change, like, for, like, you guys, you guys wouldn't even notice it, because, you know, you said you weren't, you didn't know who Black Panther was, um, prior to the movie, you know, and, or prior to watching Civil War, but, and, and I understand the reason why they had to change some things, right, uh, but my thing was, was just, like, the movie was just well put together, like, even if I wasn't a Black Panther fan, even if I, hey, I'm just going to see this movie just because I hear it's going to be good, I want to support it, it still would have been a great movie, you know? And and I, my only, I only had one one complaint about th that movie, and that was uh, the last fight scene. I thought it was just a little bit too dark. Like, I couldn't really see, you know, the action as much oh, you talking about when they was down with the trains and stuff like that? Yeah, I just thought it was a little bit too dark. That was my only, my only, um, my only uh, complaint, you know. Yeah. And, and the, well, I did. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, and, and I thought the, the fight choreograph choreography could have been a little bit better, but that's like I said, I'm nitpicking. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's that's just me nitpicking. But overall, I yeah. thought the move was good, man. I, I couldn't. And I, I, I was, I was hyped. I actually, I dressed all my kids up and put them in dashikis, and we went to go see Wakanda Forever. That's big. <laughs> that's so big. my thing was, um, I was kind of.
kind of informed that he was kind of like a, you know, like a C-list kind of, you know, superhero or whatever, you know, I guess in the comics and stuff like that, you know, he wasn't, you know, as big and, you know, he didn't have, you know, quote unquote, the powers that maybe some of the, um, you know, the other individuals have. But, you know, you always got that movie entertainment component or whatever. But like I said, to me, I think it's really what he represented, not just the movie, but the Black Panther just in general. But I'm going to be honest, I was kind of definitely not taken aback because, you know what I'm saying, I think we need more things to be proudful of. But I was kind of surprised at, like, just the support it got because, you know, you had people who, you know, not just going to see the movie, who was unaware of the Black Panther, but I'm talking about, like, getting dressed in full garb. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, this hollow, like, that part, I'm not going to lie, it surprised me. So, like I said, you know, I, I, I knew of the Black Panther, but like I said, I just, I wasn't a comic kind of kid growing up, you know what I'm saying? Hey, man, we had to be outside and doing stuff and playing sports and, you know, things of that nature. So, like I said, you know, I was kind of familiar and aware, but I was, I was kind of like, wow, man, this thing is going someplace that I didn't even think it would. So, that, that part was cool. I mean, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to the, the sequel of the part two, and I think they are going to do one, so. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Hey, can I make a, can I make another comment on this? Too? Go ahead. Um, so, go for it. So, I, the, the the other impact that I felt like you know was kind of kind of cool is when you get these award shows, whether it's the Oscars or the Grammys or whatever it is. Like you know, you basically got a, a group of people, an academy or whatever it is, voting, and you got critics input, and you got all you know all this, all this stuff. I think what's happening now is you seeing a movement toward uh, if if something is big enough and the people love it and it's it's just that a movement. If it's a movement, then these groups cannot ignore it. You know what I mean? Because yeah. how many times how many times have you um have you watched the Grammys and you, you you in your head you know this this is gonna be album of the year. But then when they give the award out, you're like, What? How did they win? You know what I mean? Because because it's the interpretation of the, the academy and the critics and all of that stuff. Now especially with the social movement with Black Panther, people showing up in the dashikis, you know, uh, posting everything on social media, you cannot ignore the impact of the movie, whether you like it or not. You know what I mean? So I, I think that's good. I think that's a, that's a good thing, you know, so. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I was just happy to see a black hero in a movie that didn't suck because let's face it, Kazam was horrible and Media <laughs> was, uh, yeah, we just leave it there. We're going to leave Billion Man. Uh, hey, Blade tried to hold it down, though. I mean, you know, I think he was in another universe, but, you know, Blade tried to hold it down. Yeah, Blade was good. Blade was good. Actually, you know, yeah. you, you know, uh, Blade actually saved Marvel. Huh? I, I can see that. Marvel was going bankrupt. Yeah. The movies were big. And when Blade came out, it saved it. Like, it, Blade actually saved Marvel as a business. Yeah, I can see that. Them, them Blade movies were big. Yeah. Yeah, it was a pretty good video. Too. What was it, four? Four Blades? Three Blades? No, three, and then like a uh, Sticky Fingers had the... Uh, the oh, yeah, the TV series. TV series, yeah. Yeah. I think it went like WGN or something like that. Something like that. TNT, maybe. I don't yeah, know. UPN. Yeah, yeah something like that. I ain't gonna lie, I didn't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm a pass on this one. Hey man, don't you do sticky fingers like that? Hey, he might be sticky and grimy, but I don't believe he's Blade. <laughs> nah, hey, Wesley was putting hands on folks, so I, I think once again, man, that was kind of the thing because the double back in the um to double back into the Black Planet, man, like Chad Boseman, like you know, I don't think he was probably doing the level of karate or whatever <laughs> form of martial arts they was doing, but as you stated before, man, they just did a very good job of just. 
you know, meshing everything together. Like everything just fit. Okay. So, hey, um, so real quick, Mars, I, 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 I thought about this uh, right before I called you. And I want to ask you this question, right? Because I remember when you signed with Kentucky and I had no idea. Well, I had a, a little bit of an inclination, right? That you were going to go to Kentucky. You didn't tell me until afterwards. But I want to know, like, with the early signing day, right? Do you think the early signing day is good or bad? Can you just kind of, like, walk us through that process? Like, Yeah, so... Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. The floor is yours. Yeah, so so, so first, I think the early signing day is a good thing. Like, um, I, I... I was, as a matter of fact, I was having a conversation with somebody about this, and they were saying um, it's bad because it kind of um, it kind of diminishes the impact of the you know the, the traditional signing day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think early signing uh, early signing period is good. I think uh, kids who enroll in school early, I'm all for doing anything as early as you can because the only it's, you got to look it's, it's a small window of time. Like yeah. like this early signing period will it will it will it will be the signing period. You know, I don't know how long how long uh, that takes, but eventually this will be the signing period. It won't be just considered the early signing period. It'll be this this will be it. Um, but but I like it. I like it. And you gotta you just let's get kids think about how long it is between early signing period and um and like February the early February the traditional signing period. Kids flip flop, man. Kids uh they change their mind. You know um they they. Commit, decommit. Go ahead, get them, get them on board, get them on campus as soon as possible, and go ahead and, and go with it. You know, um, now a lot of these kids, a lot of these five stars and four stars that we talk about or that you hear about, they've been recruited so long that I mean, at this point, they know where they're going. More so, I think you made a good point. Just that I ain't mean to cut you off, but you're right. Yeah. You know, what I'm saying I think like you know when you were probably getting recruited, and I can't speak for you. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but I'm pretty sure maybe your process probably maybe started maybe like you know, maybe sophomore year, rising junior, you know what I'm saying? Because, like, if I'm not mistaken, your sophomore year was your first year starting as a uh, varsity, correct? Correct, first full season. Uh, yeah, that's the first full season. Okay, cool. So now, man, you got these kids who, you got kids getting offered in eighth grade. They ain't even played a snap of high school football. So it's it's a much longer process, and it's way more intense now, way more intense. So, yeah, I mean, I... With, with all of the information, like if you if you have film on a kid or if you've seen a kid play uh, in the ninth grade, tenth grade, eleventh grade, you don't need to wait until, or the kid does not need to wait until February first of February of you know his senior season to make a decision on where he's going to go. You know what I mean? Like I think the earlier you can get get a commitment and get them signed, it's better. Obviously, it's better for the school because they can get you on campus and you know you can go ahead and get started spring ball and get enrolled. But uh, for the kid too, I mean. That whole process, you know, different. It's different for different kids, but that whole process is a lot. Like being recruited uh, is is it's a lot. You know, you got people calling your house and showing up to your house all the time. You know, it's 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 draining. And I know these days it's a little bit different. You know, I got recruited a long time ago, but these days kids are all over on social media collecting offers. You know, bragging about how many offers they got. And it, it sounds real cool, but trust me, that is not a fun process, you know, if you're trying to go to school and really focus on, you know, mastering your craft. If you're just in it for fame and clout, yeah, go ahead, have fun with it. Wait till the last minute. But for the most part, if you're really about football and school, go ahead and start early, get on campus, and, and get to work. 
Okay. Hey Mo, let me ask you this: Do you think it gives? Uh, no, nah, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But uh, I just had a quick question for more, just for my knowledge. So, just based on your opinion, do you think now with the early signing period, do you think that gives the kids more leverage? Do, do I think it gives the kids more leverage? Yes. Do you think that gives the kids more leverage? Like in what way? What do you mean? Well, just in terms of you know, what I'm saying like. Okay, so you have an early signing period, which is, uh, I think around December 20th through the 23rd. Then you got the traditional, uh, like second Wednesday in February or something like that. But you know what I'm saying? Like sometimes coaches change, head coaches, positions change. Sometimes, you know what I'm saying? Certain kids, you know, like they kind of on the fence. So do you think that gives them more leverage as in like, well, okay, now, you know what I'm saying? I get just a little bit more time. But, to just really um, weigh the odds out and to kind of see what and what. So in terms of leverage, like, you know, now I got a better grasp because, you know, I my, my thing was, this is a big complaint that I heard where, you know, <laughs> okay, so you got the transfer. Oh, we don't want these kids to be free agents and stuff like that because, they're you know, they're um they're amateur. That's why if they transfer, they got to sit out a year or this, that, and the third, or they got to drop down a, a level of college football or whatnot. But, you know, a lot of kids were feeling like, well, man, I signed and, you know, some kids don't sign for a school. They sign for a coach, and then they sign up to go play for that school, and then the coach leave, and the kids like, oh, man, we just got railroaded. Yeah. So, yeah, no, so an example like that. Yeah, and that's a different – that leads into a different conversation as far as transfers is concerned. So um, the early signing period, I think – does it give the kids? Does it give the kids more leverage? The recruits, the, the the kids coming in. Yes, the recruits. Not not the transfer. I'm just using that as an example. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, having two signing periods is, is good because if you don't want to sign in December, you know, you want to wait until bowl season is over. Obviously, because that's when the coaching changes are, are happening. You have um, players leaving too. You know what I'm saying? You got players who going pro. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You got players. Yeah. So I. Or you got players transferring out, you know. Absolutely. Um, you, you look at what happened at um, Georgia and Ohio State and, you know, all these different schools and quarterback positions. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's from that perspective, having two signing periods is good. If you don't want to sign early, you can kind of wait it out, you know. Um, so, I, I feel like, yes, that does give them leverage. But I, I want, actually want to talk about, I won't spend too much time on it, but I do want to talk about the whole transfer situation because you got people kind of, you got people kind of split on that, you know. Like, um, they don't want to see it become, the NFL, or they don't want to see kids being able to choose their, you know, their team that they want to, that they want to go play for. Um, and I just, I totally disagree with that. Like, I, I feel like, first of all, let's use graduate transfers as an example. If you graduated from school, Jalen Hurts, prime example, why does anybody care what Jalen Hurts, he's got his degree from the University of Alabama, which is what he showed up on campus to do. Yeah. Why does anybody care about what he does after he graduates from the University of Alabama? I, I just, I, for the life of me, I cannot understand people who say it's bad for college football that Jalen Hurts leaves Alabama and goes to play for Oklahoma, who they just played against in the, you know, in the college football um, playoffs or whatever. I, I see nothing bad about that because he graduated. Now, I'm, I'm, I think any kid should be allowed to transfer one time. I think any kid should be allowed to transfer one time. So, 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 uh, this is what I think about that. I think if you, if you allow kids to transfer, which I, I do think kids should be able to transfer freely. I don't think you should restrict them. Right. But there should be a caveat. Your transfer mm-hmm. should be based on some type of extenuating circumstance. Yeah. Okay. Because at some point we got to start holding people accountable, 
you know, because coaches can just jump and run and go wherever they want to go at any time. You know, so if a kid wants to transfer, we should allow him to do it, but he should have a, a, a reason to do it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, if you if your coach left, you should be able to transfer. That's, I think that's simple and plain. But to me, I think that's the reason why they don't need a reason and shouldn't have to sit out one year because it's like, you know what I'm saying? I, you know, so... I guess we don't got to get too deep into it, but oh, okay, cool. You know, oh, you're a college student and, you know, you're getting a free education and pretty much they take care of you, yada, yada, yada. Okay, cool. How that work? But my thing is, so there's no ramifications or repercussions for a coach decide he want to get up and leave. Look at your boy down in Miami. Uh, who is it? Manny Diaz? So he's at Miami. He's the defense coordinator. Okay, cool. So he leaves there to go be the Temple head coach. Mark Rick decides to retire. He comes back to be their head coach. So what about the kids at Temple? What about the kids in Miami? You know what I'm saying? So that's why, in my opinion, I just think the kids should be allowed to transfer one time. Whatever, whatever it may be, how they go, I don't think it should be any stipulations on that. You know what I'm saying? That's just how I feel. But we agree. We agree because in your scenario, I consider those extenuating circumstances. Yeah. If you have a, if you have a coaching change, and, you know, let's say you committed to Temple. I actually have a, a little cousin that plays in Florida, and he did commit to Temple, you know. And then all of a sudden, Temple's coach is gone. You think Manny Diaz is coming in. And then, that you know, it's it's a, it's, a, it's basically a free-for-all at Temple. Well, obviously, obviously he should not be held to going to Temple or if somebody was on that roster, they should not have to stay at Temple with, with this mess going on at Temple. Yo, so I consider those extenuating circumstances. Well, see, I, I look at it from the other side too, though. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes it's just not a good fit. You know what I'm saying? Because you know, I, I don't know. I, I wasn't. You know what I'm saying? Like recruited to a college
You see what I'm saying? Like, I was glad to get him, but I never understood why he went to Georgia. Well, I think he went because he wanted to be a bulldog. He, he you know what I'm saying? He, he felt he could play. But see, I think that's the thing. I think a lot of people have in their mind that Justin Fields is transferred because he didn't start. I don't think that's the issue. I think Justin Fields transferred based on how he was being played. You can't bring the kid in one play, take him out. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't mean to use the team down in Gainesville because I, I don't, the college team, because I don't like them. But I remember a couple of years ago, they had a situation with a freshman quarterback who, you know, went on to have some success and they had a senior quarterback there. So pretty much what they would do, and you even seen it with Deshaun Watson and Clemson. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, cool. You know what I'm saying? This guy's our starter. Okay. But we still got to groom you to play because you're the backup quarterback Deshaun Watson true freshman same way as just the field so you are the true freshman so you're early enrollee you know been through you know the whole summer and the fall camp and all this stuff how are you not ready to play so I, I put that on the coaches but I digress from my point the point which I'm trying to make is so you know how they go if given the opportunity to play the kid let the kid play why would you bring him in one play to hand the ball off and take him out if anything you know, you got offense coordinators that I don't think most college offense coordinators make millions, but they make hundreds of thousands of dollars. Come up with a plan to utilize it. Let him run a series. You know what I'm saying? One, 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 the starter run three series, and okay, Fields, you got one. And just go from there. So, in my opinion, that's what happened with Justin Fields. I get, I get that, Eric, but, but listen, listen. So, back, because I don't, like, that, that's a rabbit hole that, that we're, we're going down right now, and we're getting lost in it. But, Listen, th this is what I want to say about as far as transfers. I think they should be able to, to transfer. Um, to send out a year, debatable. Because, like, sometimes uh, all credits don't transfer. They might not be eligible. You never know, right? I don't know what's what's the whole, what, what all is, is entailed behind the reason why they're sitting out. Now, um, the one thing I will say, though, this is the one thing I will say. Uh like, but I think that I, I'm more, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm more, I think it's a cop out though with the um, grades because I don't know, maybe Morris can help me with this more. But I think like their first couple of years, they kind of take a more generalized classes anyway. I don't even think they really focusing really on their major unless they fast tracker. So you know, I, I I can't really see a grade situation where they got to sit out. Making the kids sit out has nothing to do with their grades. It's, exactly. it's about it's about yeah. football. It's about yeah. sports. Exactly. And I mean, then you can you, you can use the mask of academics, kind of yeah, like the yeah. NFL uses the mask of player safety. Yeah, like, are you really protecting quarterbacks because of player safety, or is it because you want to see Tom Brady throw another touchdown? But anyway, hey, I digress. But, but just like I said, I don't know the whole reason behind it, right? I, I, that's something that I never claim to be an NCAA rule book lawyer. But the one thing I will say, yeah, they should be able to transfer, especially after they graduated. You can't, you shouldn't be able to block them. Um, and but I do understand saying, hey, you know what? Hey, I don't want you going to play for my rival. If you came here, it didn't work out. Look, you go anywhere else, but in in the conference, I get that. Hold on, hold on. Hold. Did, did you just say you understand that? Yeah, I don't know, Armand. That's kind of a. <laughs> I, I, I mean, we we about to jump off a cliff right now. Did you just say you under you understand? Yeah, okay. So, so if Nick Saban recruits a you know a, a top player, uh -huh. he comes to Alabama and he says, you know what, I'm not happy at Alabama. Um, you know, my family lives in Auburn. My dad played for Auburn. I think I made the wrong choice. I want to go play for Auburn. And Nick Saban's like, oh, you can go anywhere you want to. But you can't go to Auburn. Morris, he, he, he did that with Maurice Smith. He, he did that with Maurice Smith like two years ago. Kirby Swart, first year, so. That's, that's what I'm saying. You're, I don't think that's a good look, man. So, Mar, you okay I, with that? I, I want to get mine on the record. You okay with that? I, I'm okay. Listen, 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 listen. I'm a firm believer in hating your rivals. I'm a firm believer in not giving your rivals any ammunition 
that, get, that can be fired back at you. And that includes grad trans, transfers. If they graduate, they can't do nothing about that, right? But transfers, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're penalizing the kid, man. And I, I just, I don't think that's fair or right. I mean, it just, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like being free because the flip side of it is, I mean, so that's like saying there wasn't no penalty for, you know, and hey, maybe this LSU fault, but it wasn't no penalty for Nick Saban to go from LSU to Alabama. I get and he's done way more for Alabama than LSU, so listen, I, I just. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. I'm selfish. I'm selfish that way. I'm sorry. I'm selfish I understand. that way. Like, I, 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 I guarantee you, like, like, I, the, I'm biased. This is my biased opinion, right? It's not always right. I'm not always right, but oh yeah, I mean we can agree to disagree. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But, but, but do you know? Do you know the danger? And I'm not just picking on you, Mark, because a lot of people feel like that. You're yeah. probably in the majority. Most people probably feel like that, especially fans. You know, teams with a bit of rivals. But do you know the the danger in that mindset? In my opinion, is that it gives the university officials ownership of the players. Now, the players are already in a very compromising position anyway, you know, by, by trading their, their work for a scholarship. Yeah. But whenever, whenever you cross that line and tell me where I can, can and can't go after I've decided to leave you, I mean, it's like being in a relationship, dating somebody, and then they break up, and you tell them, you got a list of people that they can't date. They're not even with you anymore. Like, I just I, it, it reeks of a plantation to me, and I didn't want to take it there, but that's the way it, that's the way it feels. What, 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 what you said is a list of people you can't date. Like no, like if we break up, you can't date my brother. I don't care who you are. Hey, Armand, I would expect her not to, man. We would expect her not. And vice versa, you know what I'm saying? So that kind of go without saying. I'm just yeah, that kind of go without saying. I'm just saying it's a loophole. See, it's loopholes. It's, we, we can go, we can go through that, <laughs> right? But, but like I said, it's, it's an exception to every policy, and, and I get it. And and, and I, I would, like I said, they just me being selfish, right? As long as Justin Fields didn't go to Florida, I was okay. No, he didn't go to the team down south. I was okay with that, and I rarely use that name on the podcast. I don't even yeah. use that name on um, that, that school that used to be on Forest Street and now on Perimeter. Yeah. I don't even say their name. Uh, yeah, that, that's still deep seated hate. And since I'm talking about, is, is, is that a podcast rules, or am I not allowed to say uh, Florida Valdosta? Uh, you can say Valdosta the city, Valdosta in Florida the state. <laughs> <laughs> But not talking about any day, uh, athletic associations yeah, yeah. <laughs> or affiliations. Yeah. That team in black and gold, that team in, but now nah, that that's just my that, that's that's me, man. You know, you know, I, I do I do not care. For, well, anyway, since since we talk about high school, right? So a question was that was hot, that was posed to me, right, by my baby brother, who's supposed to be on here. Shout out to Ryan, congratulations for the little bundle of joy. Uh, that's keeping you off the podcast, but we'll 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 make it up. Now he he said that. He graduated with, you know, Greg Reed and uh, the Bus and I think Lynn Williams and all of those teams, right? He he said that he thinks that they would beat us, our team. That night, hey, Morris, I, I let you, I let you go first on that, one, Morris. Is, is there more to this? Like, is it, is, is, is it like? What was the reason that he said that he thinks that they would beat us? Well, probably because they were champions and we weren't. That's probably why. Yeah. Is that, I mean, is that, what, is, that what it, is that what it is? Yeah. And, and, and they went undefeated and stuff like that. And then, and then you, it's like, but, 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 you know, it's all about perspective. You know, like, how old were you when you saw this? So, you know, so in that place, he was right there. You know, he, he's in school with the kids. He's graduated with yeah. them. And so that's what he's yeah. saying, right? Yeah, so. 
So, so it's, it's, it's dangerous to compare eras. You know what I mean? Like, and we're basically a different era than those kids. So you can't really compare eras. It's, 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 it's just impossible to do. But, you know, being older, I, I saw both. You know what I mean? Like, so it's just, it's tough for me because I don't want to take away from the individual athlete. And in my opinion, I talked to Coach Hill uh, years ago when, when Greg Reed was at, um, uh, at Lyles. And he said that was the best, that was the best player he had ever seen, you know? Um, and I saw Greg Reed and I felt like from what I saw with my eyes at that particular moment, he might have been right. Yeah. So I don't want to take, I don't want to take away from any of the individual players because they were loaded with talent. You know what I mean? But if we are going to go into this conversation, if we're going to have this conversation, would they have beat us? You got to take in consideration the style of offense that they ran. You got to take into consideration not just individual athletes, but the unit. You know, mm-hmm. their offense versus, versus our defense's unit. And if you want my opinion, I don't think it's even close. I don't think so either. I, I, well, I, nah, I'm, I'm heavily biased, but if you want no. my opinion, I don't think it's close. I think anything is possible. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of one of those things. Unfortunately, um, I kind of had a front row seat <laughs> kind of both of uh, I felt like we was playing. I probably did way more watching than, than playing with, you know, hey, that's a whole other ball game too. But, you know, I, I did get to play some, you know what I'm saying, or whatnot. But um, I, I just think it's one of those things. Um, okay, Greg Reed. Um, in my humble opinion, I didn't see Taylor Jones play, but I heard he was a, I heard he was a bell. I heard he, he was like that guy. So I didn't get a chance to see um, him play like way back in the day or whatnot. But I, my, you know, I've heard stories like he's the real deal. Then you know you had guys like you know Rondo and you had the player guy who's you know the receiver pretty much had all the records. Him and CJ was kind of battling for him back and forth. But um, I think anything is possible. You know what I'm saying? Because I mean, you know, they they were they had a lot of talent. They really did. And to be honest, I think that probably you know their three or four year stretch. They probably shouldn't have lost the game because they had NFL talent. I mean, they had guys that made it to the NFL, but we had NFL talent too. I think we had way more talent that didn't make it to the NFL. But what I will say is, in my humble opinion, I think we played harder competition. I think the competition that we played was harder than what they had to go up against. You know what I'm saying? Because, <laughs> like, you know, back when, man, it, you know, we, we, you know, just, I'm like, y'all, let's not to take anything away from them or whatnot, you know, but I think it was a, a different kind of style in terms of like now and then because. I mean, even, you know, from an offensive standpoint, you know, I know Armand played some offense and defense. Morris mostly played defense. But, you know, they had a strong defense. But, you know, I think our offense could have gave him some problems. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just, you, you think, you think yeah. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, just how we how was set up and how we was built. So I, I think we would have gave him some problems. So, uh, you know, I think probably if we played ten times, I think we probably win seven out of three, eight out of two, something like that. Yeah. But you know, I want to caveat caveat off what uh, uh, Mo said. Uh, it's the style. I think their style of offense would have played perfect for our defense. That's just me, 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 me saying because the wing T is like really simple to stop. And I think we had, I know we had some dogs, um, and they it, it they were one dimensional. You know what I mean? Like the threat of the, the pass isn't there. You know, and and we were solid as a unit and then on the flip side like we all of our receivers were six foot and taller like i, I wasn't six foot but you know 
No. I mean, let, let you know what I mean, though. Like, you got CJ. Well, hey, I will say this, though. Um, so this is my thoughts about their offense. Um, I think they ran that offense out of want to opposed to necessity. So now, mind you now, I mean, I don't have a problem with Brandon Coward, but I, I, I personally think Marcus Bonner was probably a better quarterback than Brandon Coward, but that's just my uh, opinion. I think I had more time with Marcus and seeing him play and stuff like that. But, you know, Doug Belt or Brandon Coward, I'm going to take Brandon Coward. But, you know what I'm saying, I think they could throw the ball, not probably as prolifically as we could, but the thing about it is, I mean, so I just want, and y'all probably can both follow me on this, yes, the wing T is easy to stop, but do you know how um, tactical or how much of a technician you have to be to successfully run that offense in the manner in which they ran it for so long? Like, that's you. impressive. That's impressive in itself. You know what I'm saying? That's impressive in itself because I'm talking about, like, I'm telling you, I think, you know, not to say that they would have went out there and, you know, threw for 300 yards a game, but I think, you know what I'm saying, it's just they was bigger, faster, stronger, and this is just the offense that our coach want to run. So, hey, man, this is what it is. But, you know, like, I, I've never really seen them kids playing that time, and they didn't run for, like, 300 yards a game, but no matter who they was playing. But here's what I'm going to say, Eric. I got three words for, for, the, for the wing team. Hat and hands. <laughs> That's all you got to do. <laughs> Hat and hands, stay disciplined, and that's it. And, I, and I, I just think, like I said, this is just my humble and very biased opinion, but I just really think that uh, they would have played into our hands. Uh, that's just me. We played, the only team we played, I want to say it was Coffee County, that ran a similar offense. And look look what we did to them. But I don't think Coffee had the, good, had the horses they had. No more. I, I mean, like I said, I'm, I get what both of y'all say. Like I say, I'm, I'm not saying I disagree now, but I'm just saying, I mean, once again, it's kind of hard to take some from a team that went pretty much in two years lost one game. I, I mean, that's just that's the facts of it. So, like I said, I don't think they played as, uh, you know, as hard a competition as we played. But to me, that says a lot about their team and how good they were to be able to run that offense that successful in, like, I'm talking about they was murking people. They not just beating people like 21 to 14. Yeah, they like 40 and 50 points, man. That's true. They, they, they were putting up big numbers. They, they were offense, killing people, man. In an offense, offense that was designed to basically run yes. the ball every play. Yes. But, so let me let me make a comment on that. Let me make a comment on that. They had they did have superior talent for the most part. I went to the Grayson game, but they, they lost, and that was a, you know that was a. That's my great senior year. Yeah, yeah. But 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 they for the most part during their run they had superior talent. So if oh, absolutely. If you take Alabama, absolutely. And you and you. Alabama or Clemson, take your pick, whoever. You put Alabama in the wing tee. And for the most part, they would probably beat a lot of teams running the wing tee. Um, but when you show up in the national championship against Clemson, you might need to change what you're doing. Yeah. And that's, yeah. what I, that's, that's the way I feel about uh, about uh, that offense in that era and that time. Those teams, teams that they were playing against, yeah, yeah. they put up numbers, and you've got to have amazing discipline to be able to pull that offense off. And you're right, they didn't have to do it. They, they did it because they wanted to. But had they been playing, you know, our team, had they been playing us, it, 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 you wouldn't have been able to do that. So, it, so it, it, it's hard to fair errors, right? But I, I think just in terms of fairness, right, I, I think we have to we have to narrow this down to one team. You know what I'm saying? Like like one year versus, you know, they best year. So let's, yeah, let's take our best year versus they best year. So would y'all say the best team that we had was y'all senior year? Uh, we went further. We, well, we went further my senior year. Um, so no, actually, no, no. Actually, actually, sophomore junior year went further. 
No. Because yeah. remember, Southwell, South- you went to the Dome. No, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about yeah, that. I forgot about that. Uh, but, but but see, I, I can't really just say just because we made it, you know, further, whatever you we made it. No, 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 no. I'm just saying just in terms of talent. I, I'm not talking about, like, how far we went, what the record was. I'm just saying just in terms of talent, experience, coupling, all that thing together. What would y'all say the best team that y'all played on at Lions High School? 97. Okay, so I would agree with that. I would be inclined to agree. So that was y'all senior in my junior year, correct? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'll be inclined to agree with that, too. I think their best year was that 15-0 year. Like, that year Greg Reed was a senior, I don't think that was their best son. I don't think that was their best team. I think the best team they had was that year they went 15-0. So I, I think that's where you got to start. If you're going to compare, that's where you want to probably start at. And I, I, to be honest, if we're doing it like that, I think the I think the X factor is going to be the quarterback. I would take Brandon Cowart. Over Doug Bell, and you know, like I said, it's not a it's not a knock on the receivers, it's not a knock on the line, it's not a knock on the you know the defense or whatnot or whatnot. I actually think they might have had a little bit better offensive line than what we had, but in terms of quarterback, I trust Brandon Kyle with throwing the ball more down the field more often than I would Doug Bell. And you know, he he had some good numbers for what they was asking him to do, but to me, that that's where we got to start. And so you you might have saw more games from that fifteen and zero season than I did. So let me ask you a question. Did they play, or did you feel like they faced a team that had a pretty accurate quarterback with three six-foot targets? No, I don't, but I'm going to tell you, though, man, they, they defense was dominant. But, see, the, the tricky part about that team was a lot of those guys played both ways. You know what I'm saying? They didn't have to. Cause, I mean, we talk about Lyle County, Georgia. I mean, you know what I'm saying? We've probably been rolling 100 guys out for some years now. You know what I'm saying? But, like, you know what I'm saying, that's how dialed in they were. And they didn't necessarily start, but they played a lot. You know what I'm saying? So that's like saying that that guy to bust. I can't remember that kid's name, but, you know, he was like the starting fullback, you know what I'm saying, ended the season like 15, 16, 17 touchdowns. And then, you know, on defense, he probably had like 70 tackles, five sacks, and a couple interceptions. You know what I'm saying? So like they, they they were man that that team was they was talented and they defense was they defense was style they defense was real style but no uh, no they they didn't, they didn't face nobody with did they face anybody with an accurate quarterback with three six foot target yeah I don't you know what no I, I don't think they did but the boys they had a pass rush man but no that no they didn't they no they didn't face that they didn't face that and then you know we have some we have some good running backs too you know everyone like our running backs with slouches you know we could run and throw the ball it's just kind of what we wanted to do you know what I'm saying based on kind of what the defense was giving us but you know we imposed our will just like on defense I think y'all imposed our will on a lot of teams you know what I'm saying so you know I would say that but like I said I, I think probably if, if we're debating against those teams, it's probably seven out of three, six out of four. Okay. Us. So, yeah. So, listen, we got like two minutes left. And, man, I want to continue this conversation, but I only got two minutes left. So, I think, I, I guess it's all about perspective, but I think I'm rolling with, I'm rolling with my guys. That's what I'm saying. Six out of, six out of four, six out of ten. I don't know. I think yeah. we can win out yeah. of ten. Uh, me personally, but. I, I I agree. I agree with you. I think we'll win all ten. And I'm giving the coaching edge to Mill Miller over Randy McPherson. But that's another conversation. Nah, nah. I, I can't. I can't. Yeah, I can't. I can't go there. I think I would have to give uh, Randy the edge over Mill. You know what I'm saying? Maybe not you his know, Mil- You know, Mill is my guy. Mill is my guy. No, he's definitely your guy. But um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Like I said, man. You know, like. Seven out of okay. So let, let me let me swing it back to the to the original. Seven out of three. Seven out of three. Eight out of. We gotta save it. We gotta save it. We gonna have to save this conversation. Eight out of ten. Yeah. No, but we would have won though. We would have beat them. We would have beat them. We got it. We gotta save it.
We got to say yeah, we- I want to get into it. I want to get into it. We probably need somebody from the era on this as well. But um, listen, this is this is just part one, I guess. We'll end up probably try, try to do part two next week sometimes, fellas, you think? Yeah, that'll work. That'll work? Cool. Okay. Yeah, we're going to continue this conversation next week. But until then, listen, may the eyes always be in your favor. Live long and prosper. Go dogs. Go Big Blue because we got more on the um the podcast. Uh, easy, easy, easy. <laughs> Big Blue Nation. Big Blue Nation, baby. All right. Shout out to uh, Eric. Eric. And um, listen, the beard always wins. It's a movement. It's a lifestyle. More important, it's a podcast. You can find this on Apple, iTunes. That's the same thing. Uh, Spotify, Google Play, everything else. And so uh, with that being said, man, y'all be easy. And don't forget to share and like it.